recording. This, this is BP Technology Outlook. Focus on batteries. Podcast. I'm Angela Lamont, technology journalist. We hope you enjoyed listening to our Focus on Batteries podcast. In this shorter piece, you'll get to hear some deeper insights on exactly how the technologies are evolving, how golf balls hold the key to faster charging, and how our idea of what makes a good battery was wrong all along. If we want to electrify transport of airplanes, if we want to electrify marine vehicles, if we want to have really low-cost storage for the grid, then I think we have to refactor what we think the battery is. I'm Dan Walker. I lead the technology futures team at BP. We are focusing on lithium-ion batteries at the moment, both in terms of mobility applications and stationary, um, but we're also looking at next-generation battery technologies. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to rewind to 30 years ago and see what the predictions were, because the lithium-ion cell was pretty much brand new. We have looked back, and typically what we found is that People did underestimate how dramatically things could change. Logan Goldie-Scott, Head of Energy Storage at Bloomberg NEF. But I do think we're, we're coming out of a period of incredible demand uncertainty and we're, we're beginning to see a bit more clarity in terms of which technologies uh, within the electricity system uh, look more competitive and which align with longer-term uh, decarbonisation goals. I see huge amounts of further potential, huge amounts of change within lithium-ion more broadly. So it's not just that batteries are getting cheaper, it's also very much that batteries are improving in terms of their energy density, in terms of how long they'll last and how they'll perform. You can have the best range, you can have the cheapest, or you can have the quickest charging. Now you might even be able to have two of those three things, but you can't have all three of them. So how close to the perfect battery can we get? And what are you looking forward to in the next 20 years in terms of new technologies? There are many different technologies out there, things like engineering cobalt out, so reducing the cobalt content. Bogdan Gadja leads BP's research on energy storage. Uh, increasing the nickel content, and that comes with a higher energy density. We see new anode materials like uh, silicon and even lithium metal being uh, developed, and those would unlock uh, even higher energy densities, even lower cost, faster charging, potentially other electric mobility applications like electric flying. The challenge is maintaining cycle life. Kurt Kelty oversaw the battery technology at a critical time for Tesla. So you can do 100% silicon anode and get a a big improvement in energy density, but you then suffer on your uh, cycle life. So both the lithium metal and the the silicon anode are improvements that um, battery manufacturers figure out how to incorporate it without having the negative impact on cycle life. Fast charging, ultra-fast charging is very important for an EV driver. And new battery chemistries, such as that being developed by Stordot, um, could have a big role to play there. We are reinventing some of the basic materials that are going into the lithium-ion batteries. Doran Meyersdorf is CEO at Stordot, where they use nanomaterials as part of their fast charging recipe. We are great believers in in nanotechnology in batteries because the insertion of the ions again into a small particle is much easier. So if you think about, let's say, a basketball that you need to keep inflating and inflating, 
with these ions until it's very, very big and it can detach from the surface of the electrode and start roaming around the, the battery. This is both a safety concern and a performance issue. But now think, instead of this basketball, you have many, many small golf balls. Now, each of these golf balls has some room to, to swell and to inflate. But at the end of the day, the 3D structure of the entire electrode is not impacted that much by this uh, movement. So as the industry would shift from these basketballs to these golf balls, meaning from micron-sized particles to nano-sized particles, then there is more capability to uh, move to faster and faster charging. This does not happen overnight. It's still far from being in mass production of millions of units a day. Longer term, I think solid state chemistry is uh, probably the next big jump. Most of the components are essentially the same. Mel Loveridge is an associate professor at Warwick University. And the inherent difference between them is how fast the lithium ions can move through the solid compared with the liquid, and it is several orders of magnitude slower. But active research in that area is improving on that, and we expect to see in the near future some very promising solid-state batteries. Multiple companies working on that. I think the most public now is Toyota. Uh, they just made an announcement about a month ago or so that they're going to try and bring solid-state uh, sometime in the next year or two. Uh, that's by far the most aggressive roadmap that I've heard on solid-state. But I would not expect that for another five to ten years uh, in the market. But let's, let's see what Toyota comes up with. So you were talking about Toyota saying they were going to go to solid state, but people are used to really fast charging their electric vehicles now, for example. Can you fast charge solid state batteries? That is one of the major challenges that is being worked on extensively, is to what the limitations of the charging rate could be. Charge time, where you can fuel up so very quickly in a, uh, in a gasoline powered car, and it just takes much longer in, in an EV. So that, that is an area that uh, is going to see continued activity to increase the fast charge capability of both lithium ion cells and I'm sure for solid state that's going to be something that they're going to be putting a, a, a big emphasis on. Beyond lithium ion there is a, is a whole range of uh, alternative chemistries such as zinc air batteries or flow batteries. What happens if I use something like zinc? What happens if I use something like aluminum? Dan Steingart is Associate Professor at Columbia University. I think the perfect battery would be an aluminum fuel cell because aluminum is the most abundant metal on Earth. If we can devise a process for making aluminum without producing CO2, and if there's a spin-out company that's testing this, it will be the dawn of a new era. It would be so cool and it would enable so much to happen. So lithium and lithium metal for now, and then I hope by the time I die, recycling aluminum. From a technical standpoint, vanadium flow batteries uh, are, are, are really interesting in terms of how you would use them and then again, just how, how they would last. The, one of the big challenges though is that um, many of these companies uh, or technologies that are very well suited um, to provide a single application, they could be excellent at, um, at a single task, but because they're only really excellent at that task, they find it hard to get the scale um, that helps them bring down uh, bring down costs, and I think that's where vanadium uh, vanadium redox flow batteries have historically struggled. It's just a very challenging uh, challenging market to compete in.
if lithium-ion can deliver all the cost and technical requirements, does it matter if you're going to have a breakthrough coming and pushing even further? If we want to electrify transport airplanes, if we want to electrify marine vehicles, if we want to have really low-cost storage for the grid, then I think we have to refactor what we think the battery is. I'm going to give you a, a, a unique perspective on this. If you look at the way a battery was designed in 1800, there was no grid. Uh, it was difficult to chemically refine batteries. Uh, you wanted that battery to sit on a shelf for as long as possible. And this is a, a great and admirable goal. But 200 years later, most batteries that are very big are going to be constantly connected to the grid. If we can somehow relax the design parameter that says the battery has to stay charged all the time. What Dan is saying is that batteries don't have to be good at everything. They don't actually have to be that good at storage which sounds ridiculous, but when renewables like solar and wind are at peak, we can be recharging our batteries for incredibly low cost. So is it really necessary to hold that charge for months or years? So what if it can self-discharge, it can do something where I lose the energy, it slowly comes off as heat, but then I can put the energy back into it and the battery behaves the exact same way. And so instead of getting all of the energy you put in coming out, I say, I'm only gonna get 80% of the energy I put in out, but the battery will last 20 to 30 years. At the end of the day, once the clean energy will be the major driver, each solution would be optimized to support an application as long as it keeps the goal of clean energy in place. This was a BB Technology Outlook production. Focus on batteries. Podcast.